whom formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Good afternoon. Well, I hope all of you who wanted them got your fill of mashed potatoes today. And uh, I'm glad it was here for you. So that's good. I was real nice and I didn't eat any so you could get all you wanted. So anyway, just to let you know that. It is so great to be here. And just like Caleb already mentioned, and I know everyone's been thinking about it and planning for it and praying about it with our uh, friend and family day coming up, uh, Lord willing, next Sunday. And uh, I've heard about people that will be here. So yeah, it would be fun to, it'd be fun. I think our biggest number ever was at our gospel meeting. I think we had 42 that Sunday morning. So it'd be great to beat that and even go way over that. And it'd be great to run out of room and have to make Jamie stand outside in the cold and <laughs> all kinds of things like that. I would enjoy that a lot. So, <laughs> but anyway, I might have to stand outside and preach through the window or something. Well, I got the tie mic, so I think my prayer would read me out there so you guys can watch me through the window, see? No, it is uh, it is so great to be here and uh, great to be with brothers and sisters in Christ. And the fellowship that we're able to have every first day of the week helps the rest of the week go a little better, doesn't it? God is so awesome in all of His wisdom to understand how we need brethren that are faithful and we need that encouragement and I feel sorry for people who can't, uh, for one reason or another, uh, can't attend with us on a regular. And I know some of you have been laid up at times. And man, that, it's terrible. I know it's terrible. I've only ever had to miss a couple of times ever in my life. And it's terrible. So anyone who's long-term, I pray for you all the time. Remember, uh, pray for each other every day. We all need it. And look around and notice the people that aren't with us today and reach out to them a little bit through uh, one form or another and just give them strength. It's kind of interesting. I thought about next Sunday's our uh, friend and family day. So next Sunday, our lesson is going to be pointed uh, towards teaching our visitors the gospel. <clears throat> uh, and, and we are looking to do that every last Sunday of the month. That was a decision made in the men's meeting, so we'll always change that. And we're maybe even going to push it around. Ben might preach one of those Sundays uh, for our friend and family day. We also, in our last men's meeting, talked about J.C. Owens coming back and uh, preaching one of those Sundays. So, you know, we're going to try not every Sunday special, right? I mean, it, it's as great as it gets, but I guess we're going to try to make those extra special. So, anyway, because uh, it's real easy. It happens to us. We get excited about the first one, and then we want to keep it excited. Of course, I tell people, if you can't be excited about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you can't be excited about giving him the glory and honor and assemble together the brethren, I don't know. I'm at loss of how to give you much help. If the cross of Christ doesn't motivate you, I don't know what can. But, so why is it such a big deal to us? A passage that was just read by Ben Force here in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, 
uh, some translations where he says did an antitype. Mine says corresponding to that. So he's going to go back and he's going to talk about the time of the worldwide flood through Noah. And, and you know, do you know if you weren't in that ark, do you know you died? Do you know only people in that ark survived? That ark separated the saved, the righteous, through the water, by the water, from the unrighteous. And only those who the purification of the unrighteous from the earth, there was only eight souls that made it through that. And then he asked this in Christianity, corresponding to that, thinking back 4,000 years ago, corresponding to that, you can look at that in 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. Those words are so important. Baptism, listen, I don't know how you can say it plainer than that. Baptism now saves you. Now, I might not be the brightest bulb in the pack or the sharpest pencil in the box, but that's easy enough for me to grasp. I mean, it, I don't even know how you could say it plainer than that. When people say, well, I don't believe baptism saves you. Well, do you cut 1 Peter 3.21 out of your Bible? Because God said. Now, of course, Bonnie, when you look back to only eight people in the ark were saved, now only those who are baptized are saved. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Now, brethren, let me tell you why that's so important. We're going to mention a lot of passages today. We probably won't mention all I wrote down because you'd be tired of being here that long. But y'all, want you to just think about this. So that's why we have such an important message because I want you to know your religious friends, they don't believe that. Half of them don't even know what baptism is, don't know the purpose of baptism, and they've just been misled and mistaught. And so you look, like I said, I don't know how you can say it any plainer than just to read it exactly like it says, baptism now saves you. And he says, I'm not talking about a bath, not the removal of the dirt from the flesh, but you're appealing, appealing to God for a clear conscience because your sins are going to be forgiven. And how important that is to remember. So let's think a little bit about this. So baptism now saves you. You got to tell your friends that. You got to tell your coworkers that. You got to tell your family that. You got to tell everybody you can that because I'm telling you what, the devil doesn't want anybody to know that. So he's got them teaching. The devil has them teaching. All you got to do is say this prayer and you'll be saved. That's the devil's doing. And people who teach that are doing the devil's deeds. And it just goes on and on. Anyone who does not preach and teach, a baptism now saves you. Now let me make this point. I'm only going to make it once today. And the way I deal with things next week because of visitors is going to be totally different. But realize that baptism now saves you does not mean the only thing you need to do is be baptized. Bapti listen to me. Baptism alone never saved a soul. So we are not baptisms are us. That is not who we are. We are Christians. We are the church of the owner, Christ. And we're here to glorify him and follow his will, even in the very plan of salvation. But today we're just going to highlight the baptism thing. But again, let me just say it one more time. Baptism alone saved no one. So I'm going to mention passages that probably you're very familiar with. I think most of them you are, if not all of them. Matthew 28. Uh, verse 18 through 20, 
Jesus, in verse 18, says, He came up and spoke to them, saying, listen to this, All authority. That sounded like he got it all, right? All authority has been given to me, where? In heaven and on earth. You ever lived anywhere besides earth? And do you want to spend any time anywhere besides heaven, besides earth? So I don't care about who's in authority anywhere else. So I don't even need to deal with it. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he's got it all. So that means what he says, go. Go. And the first thing he says is go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations. I wonder how you do that. By baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. How do you make disciples? Jesus said. By baptizing them. One of the things it's going to take, and then once they get baptized, what do we have to do? And teaching them to observe all that I command you. But I tell you what, we have to go over this point of baptism all the time because even people that believe that and knew that when they become Christians, they don't share that with anybody. Well, this passage says go and make disciples. Who's he talking to? Well, primarily to the apostles, but secondarily applies to all of us. In Mark's account of that same uh, plan of salvation, that same great commission over in Mark 16, Verses 15 and 16, he ties something else to it. Let us know some things here. Um, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, look what he says. And he said, that's Jesus, go into all the world. Does that include uh, Franklin County? Does that include the state of Missouri? Okay, we won't even go any further than that. That's kind of where we're all at, right? Go into all the world, and what are you supposed to do? Preach. You got to proclaim. You got to preach. You got to proclaim the gospel, and you got to teach everyone. Got to teach every person. You got to teach them the gospel. They don't want to hear it. Well, they're going to hear it anyway. Noah taught them all, right? Everyone he come in contact with, just no one got in the boat. And he who has believed what? The gospel. Primarily here, that they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to believe that fact that he's been killed, buried, and resurrected, and will retrieve and save those who have, and be baptized for the forget. You hear that, believe it, confess it, repent, and be baptized. You need to hear the gospel. He who believes it and has been baptized will be saved. Do you have to believe to be saved? Amen. Do you have to baptize to be saved? Amen. So this passage makes it plain. I know two of the things you got to have. You know how I know that? Because God said so. Matter of fact, his son, Jesus Christ, said, he that believes and has been baptized will be saved. Okay, I I want to be saved. So I need to believe and be baptized. But once I've been saved, what do I need to be doing? Go and preach the gospel unto all creation. So we have to do that. So baptism, so baptism now saves us. Well, what's it save you from? COVID? 
Hmm. Um, does it save you from all the ridiculousness in the political arena in the U.S. today? Does it save you from persecution? Save you from any health problem? What in the world? Baptism now saves us. Well, what's it save us from? Well, let's look at some passages. It'll help us out with that. Acts 2 and verse 38. After those people heard Peter's pre-sermon from 14 through 36 in verse 37, they said, Whew, once they heard that, that's a 14 through 37, not a long, I could say that in a few minutes. Said we wish you would. I could say that in a few minutes. And then they asked for an invitation. Now, when someone asks you for an invitation, you give it to them, and about 3,000 souls come in, that ought to be your sermon for gospel meetings. But anyway, that's what happened. And so he what you need to do. In verse 38, he tells them exactly. So here's what Peter said to them. Repent. Oh, now we've had belief in baptism. Now we got repentance. What's repentance? I'm going to try to make it as simple as can be. If you become a Christian and you got a foul mouth, you got to quit cussing. If you become a Christian and you're always in fights, you got to stop fighting. If you're a Christian and you steal things, you got to stop stealing. If you're a Christian and you lie, you got to quit lying. If you're a Christian and you're living a life of immorality, you got to get out of it. You got to quit it. Whatever it is, it's got to stop. Repentance says, so I'm telling you what, if you believe and are baptized, but you don't repent, you waste your time believing and being baptized. No repentance, no salvation. So he tells them, here's what you need to do. If you believe you did kill the Messiah, you believe that he was resurrected, here's what you need to do. Obviously, they believe. Well, now you need to repent. You need to change your ways. That's the hard part of the plan of salvation, if you ask me. Because it kind of always stays right there, doesn't it? We got things. If something ain't right in our life, what do we got to do? Change. Do we change easily? You know, isn't it funny how you change some things easily and other things you don't? You got to change your attitude. That doesn't work. But if you want to change your hair color, you can do it in a box. If you want curly hair, I remember when my mom had my aunts over, and I've always never understood this. She'd give them a perm called a permanent. It's not permanent. It come out, and she had to do that stinky stuff again in the house. Why are they called a permanent? They're liars. That's a temporary. Okay? So I've always thought about that. Why is that a permanent? That's the dumbest word I've ever heard. That's a lie in a box, you know? So you look at that, but repentance, we can change a lot of surface things easily. But if we'll change our inside, our hearts, then we can change our actions. A lot of people want to say they gave their heart to the Lord, but they still live like the devil. That won't work. We've got to make sure those we get out of those situations. So he tells them to repent. Listen to what he says about baptism. So he tells them here, repent each of you, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for, what's the purpose? Forgiveness of sin. What am I being saved from? Whatever sin costs me. I do know, I do know that Romans 6 and verse 23 says the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, you get it through baptism, repentance and belief, you, you receive forgiveness of sin and you don't have to die eternally. It means separated from God. 
How terrible, I mean, there's nothing worse than even imagine that separate God forever and ever and ever. And I, we can't even fathom what that means. It's so terrible. But that's what will happen unless we repent and are baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. Turn over a few chapters later. Still look at this idea, baptism now saves us. What's it save us from? The cost of sin. We receive forgiveness of sin. Do you receive the forgiveness of sin for the sinner's prayer? I, I tell people, it always bugs me when people say, well, there ain't even a sinner's prayer in the Bible. Well, there is. When we're told, and we know God does not hear the prayers of sinners, so it's kind of in a bad context. So I'm pretty sure if he doesn't hear it, he's not going to save you because of it. So you look at that. There's nowhere in the Bible that if you pray a prayer to God, you'll receive the forgiveness of sins. There's no place in the Bible that all you got to do is believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. No, it says if you, you know, you have to believe to be saved, but it doesn't say only. And so here in Acts chapter 8, to read a few verses, I like this. I could stay in this, verse, this passage a long time. Here we got this Ethiopian eunuch riding along in a chariot. And Philip comes up and meets it. And when you get to verse 35, it says, so here's what Philip does. He opens his mouth and begins from the scripture. That sounds like the Bible, don't it? And you know what he preaches to him? World peace. Health and wealth. And he preaches Jesus to him. And as they went along... The road, they came to some water, and they got a drink. No, they might have, but that's not what it says. They came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? It's when you preach Jesus. There would be no logical reason why the Ethiopian would have come up with this question. So when you, let me to make sure you understand that. If you don't mention baptism will save you and you receive the forgiveness of sins, then you didn't preach Jesus. If you preach Jesus, you mention baptism. Because he said, and you go, as you go on, he says, if you believe, verse 35, with all your heart you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus is a And he ordered the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water. Now, let me ask you this. If he just had to sprinkle it on his head, would you both went down in the water and got all wet? Some people say, well, maybe it was really hot. Would you both go down in the water and get all wet? If he just had to sprinkle some on his head. They both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. I do know what that word means. It means immersed. The Greek word, the original word means immersed. That means to bury, submerge something. So we look and we see that he says, ooh, now here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Why? Because he just heard about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And he wanted to know, what do I need to do? Be bad? Here's the water. What, what's, what's hindering this? What's the, what's the problem? Jump on to Acts 10. Oh, I wish we could spend more time on this one. We'll go right down to 47 and 48. If I had time, we'd highlight how Cornelius was this devout man, and he was told to send to Peter. Peter gets this vision even from, from heaven, 
sheet comes down out and all these unclean animals represented Judaism and only the Jews were God's chosen people. And he tells them, cake, kill, and eat. So I've been doing my best to step with that verse, take, kill, and eat. But you look and he says here, you do whatever Peter tells you. Send to Peter. He'll, he'll give you what you need to do. And it's kind of interesting because when you get to verse 47, he says, surely no one can refuse what? Water. Because you don't know how many people have told me, well, I, I believe you have to be baptized to be saved, but I don't believe it's water baptism. Wait a minute. Who can forbid water? I wonder what that is. Water. For these to be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Now, they spoke in tongues. Let me ask you this. So if baptism saves you and they hadn't been baptized yet, were they saved? So speaking in tongues, does it only happen to believers, to those who've been saved? No, because they hadn't been saved. Speaking in tongues doesn't prove you're saved. Even if you could speak in tongues, it, doesn't, it didn't even prove you're saved in the first century. And here's what he did. And he ordered. Does that sound like a command? And he ordered them to say the sinner's prayer. No. And he ordered them. This is an order. To be baptized in the name of Jesus. Let me ask you this. With this passage, 1 Peter 3, 21, baptism now saves you. Now let me ask you a question from this passage right here in Acts 10 and verse 47. Are we ordered to be baptized? What's the chances you're going to be eternally God in heaven if you don't do what he orders? No chance. There's no chance at all. He orders it. He asks for that. In Acts 22, 16, Luke is recording the reaccount of Paul's, Saul's conversion. And I love verse 16. He says, now why are you waiting? I've used that verse so many times to people. What are you waiting on? Get up and be baptized and what? Wash away the dirt. No. Wash away your sins. Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. What's happened when these people, when Saul was being baptized? His sins were being washed away. Acts 2 and verse 38, they were to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. So their sins were also washed away in baptism. Ethiopian went down into the water and he was baptized and his sins were washed away. And obviously Cornelius and his household were ordered to be baptized, and their sins were washed away. Does there seem like there seems to be a consistency in this? You know, I was baptized 50 years ago, a little over 50 years ago. Do you know the day I was baptized? you know what I did? I got wet. I do know that. But I had taken a bath earlier that day for Bible class and stuff. I wasn't taking a bath. I was baptized, immersed, for the forgiveness of my sins, my sins were washed away. The water didn't wash it away. 1 Peter 3, 21, it's the appeal to God for a good conscience. 
It's you obey God's will, and it takes water to obey God's will. I always like when people start saying, what if? Oh, no, not those things. What if there was no water? I always like to point this out. You know God is brilliant. Did you know God is just utterly brilliant? I want you to think about this idea of baptism. We live on the planet Earth. Did you know that? We live on the planet Earth. Do you know what substance the earth has at least two-thirds of its totality covered by? Water is more readily available on this planet than anything there is. Well, then God couldn't have chose anything to make it easier. Does it have to be clean water? Now, this water, it's clean, and it had heat running in it. Can it be cold? I'll baptize people in some cold water now. I could tell you some stories. I baptized people in the middle of the night, still wasn't all the way dark, in Alaska at camp in the summertime, but I need to tell you the water's still like 42 degrees in them lakes. So you wait up there. I got to wait out there because we didn't have waders. We ain't got waders here. I get my pants wet. But, we didn't, but I wait out there in that thing at 1 or 2 in the morning. I'm supposed to be sleeping. I'm the director. They get me up. I said, if I'm getting up, I'll can't get them all up. Get everybody out of bed. If I'm getting up to baptize this person, everyone's going to get up to do it. And then the counselors have to worry about getting back to sleep. I'm going back to where I sleep by myself. Why would we do that in the middle of the night? Oh, just because I like to. No, because this goes from lost state to safe state because sins are washed away. You know, it can work in Lynx Lake in Alaska where there's northern pike and trout in that lake. And there's also snell larvas, which they call swimmer's itch. If you want to hear stories about that, just talk to me about it. It's the funnest stuff. But I mean, all kinds, of, but that's okay. It's water. It can be clean. It can be dirty. It can be hot. It can be cold, whatever. But it demands water, not milk. I had people once, can you be baptized in milk? Is that water? It says water. Now, let me tell you what. If you can come up with enough milk to bury someone, I'm pretty sure you can come up with enough water to bury them. Or you couldn't have come up with the milk. So people, are just, they want to come up, they want to make up crazy reasons why not to do God's will. Baptism, that's amazing. Another one I love so much is over in Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. I know Vernon really likes this passage. Or do you not know all of you have been baptized into Jesus Christ? Hey, that's me. That's me. You've been baptized into his death. You put something to death. Verse 6 says we put the old man to Therefore, since you've been baptized, listen to me. If you've been baptized, listen to verse 6. I mean, verse 4, it's so important. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism. How do we get buried with him? Through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in this life. So what's he tell us all who've been baptized into his death? You've got to walk a different walk. You can't walk the life of sin anymore. You can't be like the world anymore. You don't live like the world. You're, what you do for us, you've got to walk in newness of life. Wow. Walk in newness of life. How great that is to walk in newness of life. A couple other passages to mention real quick, because then I'll have to start winding it down a little bit. But most of us know 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, and it's kind of a fun thing about days like, uh, family and friend day. First Corinthians three and verse six said, "I planted." Paul says, "Apollos watered, 
And jumping G. Willikers, people were baptized. I planted, Paul watered. Did there need to be planting and watering in this text? But who causes the increase? Who causes the growth? God does. But let me make sure you know something. Do you know that if we're not planting and watering, listen to me, if you and I aren't planting and watering, we've taken away the opportunity for God to cause growth. You think we'll be answerable for that if we do that? We sure will. The seed has to be planted. Do we know what the seed is? The Word of God. And we've got to fan the flame. We've got to water it. We've got to encourage people. We've got to tell them the truth. So we've got to plant and water, and God causes the increase. Church only grows through saved souls, lost souls becoming saved. That's the only way. Look at another one. It's one of my favorite one on baptism because I, like, I really love this passage because I think it gets to show you what God sees at baptism rather than what I see at baptism. And I've viewed hundreds of baptisms and hundreds, hundreds of them just up close right here, right where I was standing right above them. But listen to this. So here's what I've seen when someone's baptized. I remember the day Dennis was baptized because we flung some water. Now we splashed that baby all that. Didn't we, Dennis? Now, I looked at Dennis. He's a big old fellow when I was talking to him. He's a big old fellow right here. Put him under that water, he come up. Do you know he still looked just like Dennis Nino when he come out of the water? The only difference was he was dry when he went, before he went in. He was wet when he, all I saw was a dry Dennis, a wet Dennis. That's the only, I mean, I seen water running down his face and him smiling. He's happy about it and everything. But he just went from dry to wet. But get ready. I want you to show what God, this is important. This is what God saw. It's way bigger than what Ken only can use these eyes. Listen to this, verse 26, Galatians 3. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's about inheritance in heaven right there, that verse is. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, baptized into Christ, that watery grave, have clothed yourselves with Christ. So here it is. So I saw Dennis go under the water because I was right there close. Saw him come out of the water and water splash over the top. I saw him come up out of the water. He was happy. I was happy. Everybody was happy. That's what I saw. God saw Dennis and his sins go under the water. But he saw sinless Dennis that now looked like his son Jesus because that's who he clothed himself with. And so you, I always think about that. So he saw Dennis goes underwater. Oh, it's my son come out of the water. I don't know a better view of baptism that I can think of than that very thing. Because I've lived my whole life since then and done a pitiful job. I've lived my whole life since then trying to be as much like Jesus as I can. But on that day, I was made just like him in a moment's notice by obeying the gospel. That's what God saw. That's what I need to be concerned with, what God sees, right? Baptism is amazing. It's an amazing thing. We've got to get that point across to people. How many baptisms are there? Well, there's six words in Ephesians 4 and verse 5. And out of those six words, three of them are the same word. One, one, one. Can you figure that out? One. Do you know how many one is? One. you know how many wives I have? One. I have one wife. That's it. One. That's pretty simple, isn't it? One. Okay? 
So I want you to think about that. One Lord, how many Lords are there? Acceptable to God, there's one Lord. Faiths. Is there all kinds of religious faiths out here, even in the Christendom world? There's a ton of them, but only one God will accept one faith. Well, you know, you have your faith and I have my. There's only one that God accepts. And I still think Romans 10, 17 says the one God accepts comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. One faith. And then he says, and one baptism. How many? One. Huh. Does it save you? Mm -hmm. Does it wash your sins away? Mm -hmm. Does it forgive your sins? Yeah. Does it put you in Christ? Yeah. That's one. It's into Christ, right? Yeah. One. One. I'm telling you what. I like it when it's one. That's easy. There's one. Only one. One baptism. That's what the Bible says. But it's essential for someone to be saved. John 3, 3 through 5. Even doesn't words, mention the word baptism, but I believe it's all about baptism. Uh, look over that one. We'll slow down for just a second. You'll at least see it. And then I'll mention two other passages and it's yours. Listen to this. Jesus talking to Nicodemus when he comes to him at night. And in verse 3 it says, Truly, truly. Now, I'm telling you what. If Jesus has to tell you, I'm telling you the truth. You better pay attention. Unless the one is born again, he can't see the king. Do you have to be born not once but twice to see the kingdom of heaven? They're wanting to kill babies so they're never born at all, but you've got to be born twice to get to heaven. Now, I understand if you die before you're of the age of accountability. We're talking about adults. We're talking about people who get to that age of accountability. And in case you missed that, he says, let's make it simple. Let's go to verse 5. I say to you, unless one is born of water, does it involve water? And spirit. It's not about washing the filth of the flesh off. He cannot. If Jesus tells you you cannot, what's the chances you can? Jesus said, unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You can't get in it. You can't even see it. I, want, I think that's so important when you look at that. He says, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Back up here in verse 3, you can't see the king. I always thought the see part is really interesting. You guys remember the, reading about this fellow named Moses? He had a temper problem. And his temper caused him to get outraged and not give God credit for something. And so the promised land he lived his whole life to get into, he didn't get to go in anymore. I don't know how much I would like this, but this is what he gets. He gets to see in it anyway. He gets to see it. I guess that's better than nothing, right? Well, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. So you can't even get close enough to see it unless you're born again, let alone enter it. That shows you great importance, doesn't it? Jesus says things so well. So, again, let's go back to 1 Peter 3.21 where we started and look at it one more time. Correspond to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of the dirt from the flesh, 
but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection. No resurrection of Jesus, no reason to do any of this because there would be no resurrection for us. But one last passage, and we'll wrap this all up, and I think you and I really need to make this stick in our heads. Now, I really like one of my favorite passages of all time. I mean, I got a lot of passages. You hear me say, I think it's one of my favorite passages. But one of my favorite passages of all time has to be 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. I'm not even going to turn to it. But he said, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Oh, amen. That's some good stuff. So if you're a Christian, when Jesus comes back, get ready for the flight. And you get to go meet him in the clouds. You don't have to live here again. You get to go live in heaven eternally. But that's not for everybody. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to read 7, 8, and 9. And to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will reveal from heaven with his mighty angels. So Jesus didn't just come back. Mighty angels in flaming fire. And they're going to be dealing out retribution. I want no part of that. Who do you dealing out retribution to? Those who do not know God. How do you know God? Right here's the book. And those who do not obey the Gospels. that have something to do with the baptism? Couldn't he just, if we want to stress baptism, couldn't that just say, and those who do not, who are not baptized? Of course, if they don't believe, if they don't repent. But those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. Wow. That's called way down there in hell, separated totally from God. Baptism now saves you. So, Lord willing, this next week, when we'll try to open it up and get people to see God wants them saved. God wants them saved so much, He sent them His only begotten Son. He loves you that much. And He gave us a plain, simple message of how to be saved, how to be right with God, how to have assurance that you will spend eternity in heaven. And it can only be found one place and one place only. And there's only one guy one who can get you through the gates of heaven, and it's not Peter. I always get tired of when they say, well, Peter meets you at the gate. I need Jesus to take me through the gate. Peter gets to go through with the help of Jesus just like me. So I want you to think about that. Of course, if there's someone here today who hasn't been baptized and sees the need to do it, then you need to do it today. Don't put off any time because that baptism now saves you. And if you've been baptized, obeyed the gospel, but you haven't been living the way you should, and you haven't been sharing that message, that's one of the things Christians do. Fix that problem. If you can fix it between you and God, do it. If you need to ask the brethren for their, for their help, make that known today. If we can help, please come as we stand and sing.